This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 6th, 2022. Thankful. Collateral goodness given by Devin Jacob and Aaron Mueller. Well, good morning, Connection Church and everybody online. We're so glad you're here. Obviously, I am not Pastor Carrie. And I'm obviously not Alan. Pastor Allen, who is our dad, is away serving as a spiritual director on a youth weekend retreat. And Pastor Carrie, who is our mom, has no voice. Um, absolutely no voice. Um, so you have us today. Um, isn't that every kid's dream, having a dad who's away and a mom who can't talk? I mean, it's a shame we're not 13 again, you know? <laughs> yep, true. So my name is Aaron Mueller. And I'm Devin Jacob. And we both love Jesus and know that he died for us in our sins. Would you pray with us, please? Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you um, for waking us up. Thank you for this opportunity to bring um, the words that you gave mom and then the opportunity to uh, use uh, some of how you've impacted our lives within the message that you gave her. We pray that you would use this in um, the lives of just one person who hears it, Lord, that you would speak to them and uh, that we would all just gain a little bit um, about your love and goodness through your words today. Amen. So today we are beginning a three-week series Um, that focuses on thankfulness. It's November, right? It's often a month that we focus on being thankful. Many across the country will gather on that last Thursday of the month to give thanks for our many blessings. And so this series is simply called Thankful. And this week, we're going to look at something called Collateral Goodness. Collateral goodness. That sounds really odd, doesn't it? When I first read this, I had to think about it for a couple of minutes. You've heard Pastors Carrie and Allen speak of Craig Rochelle's book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Winning the War, yeah, in your mind. That's where they first heard of this concept. So let's get started. Have you ever thanked God for something that he didn't do? Well, think about that for just a moment. Have I or have you ever thanked God for something he didn't do or didn't give you? Thanking God for what he's done for us is easy to do. We also thank God ahead of time for what we want him to do. But thanking God for something he didn't do? Think about some of the things you've wanted and prayed so hard for. Think about some of the worst circumstances that you've had to go through, as well as some of the best parts of your life right now, things that you've never imagined or planned. And looking back, can you see God's hand in it? Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 say, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God is working 
even when we are not aware of it. And we are wise to trust that. We are also wise when we trust the way he's working, even when it isn't the way that we want. Since God knows more than you, than me, then there will be times when we ask um, or things that God knows may not be good for us. So when we thank God for what he didn't do, we can instead look for God's goodness. On the flip side, have you ever heard the term collateral damage? Collateral damage is when something happens and then there's fallout beyond that initial incident or event. <clears throat> Eight years ago, my husband and I brought home our daughter Addison from the hospital. So excited. That first night as a family of four, my husband Kyle had his first convulsive seizure. There I am, 3 a.m., newborn baby girl in the bassinet next to our bed. Five-year-old, our five-year-old son Jacob in the room right across the hall. And my husband has a convulsive seizure and then is unresponsive on our bed. You know, the collateral damage of that seizure and the many that followed that night rocked our family. Kyle was not allowed to drive and had to turn in his license. His whole job at that time was driving because he was a merchandiser. He drove up and down the state setting up displays. How was he going to work? What about taking kids to daycare once I went back to work after my maternity leave? What about, you know, our kids being involved in things? Like, this and so many more questions were just what rocked our world. Not to mention, like, his health. Seeing the damage, the collateral damage at that time, was so easy. But looking back, and even during that time when we would sit and force ourselves to look for the good, there really was a lot of good that we could see. Kyle's job immediately pivoted so that he could work in the warehouse and not have to be on the road. And so he didn't lose his job. Family members stepped up to drive him to and from work on the days that I had to work and was not able to drive him. And I was actually able to drive him more than I would have been because I had started a new job working 12-hour shifts so I could drive him on the days that I didn't work as opposed to if I was working five days a week, eight-hour shifts. <clears throat> we had so many families in our church and outside of our church, maybe not even believers, who were praying for us and supporting us, showing us goodness and the goodness of God. You know, it's really all in how you look at a situation, isn't it? If we look or when we had to look for God's goodness in the situation, we saw it. It's like the saying goes, looking at a glass half full as opposed to half empty. Like any good habit, looking for God's goodness in the situation, it requires practice. And let me tell you, it requires discipline. And it has to be intentional. You have to sit and look for it sometimes. 
we had to intentionally look for the good things in the midst of those struggles that we were in. If we look for what is bad, we find bad. If we look for what's negative, we'll find plenty of negative. If we look for things to be critical of or even hang around with people who tend to be critical, there's always something to criticize. On the other hand, if we look for God's goodness, we'll see it. We will start to see God's fingerprints, God's presence, God's power, God's effects all around us. We will tend to see the good in people, in situations, in circumstances, in relationships, in our work, in our home. With practice, our attitude can change. And Pastor Groeschel calls this reframing. Think of a frame. If I put it behind, you know, in front of this black wall, we see darkness. We see that. If we put it in front of the cross, we see Jesus. It's just a matter of changing our perspective, of reframing. It works. I've tried it. In fact, this summer, I had to go through a season of reframing. My family was involved in a situation in which I felt like we were just under attack. Have you been there? The situation involved being lied to. There was some deceitfulness. And um, what made the situation more difficult was that I felt like my husband and my 10-year-old daughter were being unfairly targeted. I began going down a rabbit hole that was not healthy. This consumed my thoughts, my words, and it even affected my actions. One evening when I was venting to a good and trusted friend, she lovingly provided the accountability I needed and reminded me that I needed to reframe my thoughts. While that conversation was not necessarily easy to hear, um, I'm so thankful for her wisdom and insight because I have since had a complete reframing and I'm so thankful to where God has led me and my family today. When we are faced with an overwhelming day, situation, or circumstance, maybe we just need to move the frame and look for God's goodness. When we do that, our countenance change, our attitudes shift, and we often begin to feel thankful. We want to spend the rest of our time together looking at goodness. What is goodness? The dictionary defines goodness as the state of quality or quality of something being good. Go figure. Moral excellence or kindness. Human goodness is someone who is kind, helpful, or honest. And, you know, I think we tend to know goodness when we see it, right? But today, we aren't talking about the dictionary definition of goodness. We are talking about God's goodness, the goodness of God. People can have traits or do good deeds and good acts, but goodness is not like inherently in our character. Our goodness comes from God.
It is available to us no matter our station or situation in life, and even though we are not worthy and do not deserve it. Goodness is an attribute of God as well as the very essence of who he is. God, by nature, is inherently good. We're told this in Psalm 34, 8, where it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. God is the foundation of goodness and of every good, everything good. He did not obtain his goodness from another source. He just is. God just is good. Amen. God's goodness is a bedrock truth of scripture. We see it in Psalm 25, 8, where it says, The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. And this next one in Psalm 100, verse 5, I think we should read together. So read with me. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Amen. The Bible is full of stories that illustrate God's goodness. We're going to explore God's word and meet two women named Naomi and Ruth and how they saw the same situation a bit differently. Naomi was in a tough situation. She was married to Amalek and they had two sons. There was a famine. So the family went to Moab where the situation was uh, was better. Amalek died, and the two sons eventually married Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. Then, after 10 years, the unthinkable happened, and her sons died. Suddenly, Naomi was a widow with no adult sons to provide for her, which was custom in that time. She was also living in a foreign country, alone with two daughters-in-law by her side. They had heard that the famine had ended back in Judah, so the three women set out to travel back to Naomi's hometown of Bethlehem. Along the way, Naomi was so full of grief and despair and loneliness, and she actually urged the younger women to turn back to Moab, where they were from. But we read here in Scripture, I'm actually going to read to you some of Naomi's thoughts. Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? uh, Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. So with that, Orpah heeded her mother-in-law's advice and headed home, but Ruth refused to leave Naomi's side. She made it clear that no matter the circumstance, she was committed to Naomi. They made their way to Bethlehem, where no one recognized the grief-stricken woman once known as Naomi. We find in Ruth chapter 1, verses 20 to 22, it says, Don't call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life bitter for me. 
I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned to Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. You think she's a little bit bitter about her station? So as they settled in Bethlehem, Ruth's attitudes and expectations were very different than her mother-in-law Naomi's. Like, completely opposite. Instead of expecting the worst and seeing all the collateral damage of the hard things that had happened, I mean, remember, Ruth had lost her husband when Naomi lost her son. Ruth's, it was Ruth's husband. Ruth trusted that God would take care of them and provide for them and trusted that God would bless them with his goodness. So the story goes on, and you may or may not know the end of the story, but I'm going to kind of do like a, sorry I ruined it for you, but it has a really good ending. Ruth marries this guy named Boaz, who ends up being a distant relative of her deceased husband, and Ruth and Boaz have a son. And then despite the mother-in-law Naomi's previous pessimistic perspective, say that three times fast, this new grandmother realized that God really had not abandoned them during this time. Ruth chapter 4, verse 14 through 17 tells us, Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and who has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, Now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. And he became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. You know, like I said, all Naomi could see was the collateral damage in her life. Yes, she was in a dire circumstance when her husband and then her sons died. And she was so overcome with bitterness that she felt that the Lord was against her. But in all that, she couldn't seem to appreciate or even see how devoted Ruth was to her. She missed out on seeing God's collateral goodness. If she had had a frame over the picture of her life, all she would have seen was the darkness. On the other hand, Ruth saw something different. She too had experienced great loss, but she also saw God's faithfulness and trusted God's plan. Her loyalty to Naomi and her kind spirit was noticed by Boaz, a wealthy landowner in Bethlehem. And he allowed her to gather the grain at the edge of the field so that Ruth, Ruth and Naomi wouldn't be hungry. He and Naomi eventually get married. They had a son who they named Obed, who then had Jesse, who has David, who is in the lineage, who is in the lineage of Jesus. 
Ruth's frame over the picture of her life was not in the dark places and spaces, but in faith, trust, and gratitude. She saw God's collateral goodness. God's goodness covers us as well. As we shared before, we can't earn it, nor do we deserve it. It's a gift that is available to each one of us, even though we are not worthy to receive it. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. God's goodness is also personal. Remember the song. I'm not going to sing, I promise. That's Devin's area. But remember the song, God is so good. God is so good. He is so good to me. You know, when I think about the goodness of God, it helps me to remember, it helps me remember that God's purpose for us, God's purpose in our life or for our lives is for good. You know, I'm a parent, Devin's a parent, and many of you are, many of you are. As parents, we only want good for our kids. Our Heavenly Father only wants good for us. However... Sometimes, though, those good things may not always be or show up like happy experiences, do they? They just don't. I actually have a good example of that. So when we first moved to Middletown, I was beginning my sophomore year in high school. Um, I was really struggling with the move for a number of reasons. Um, which concerned my parents to the point of seeking out professional counseling for me. So here I am, 16 years old, forced to see a psychologist I didn't feel like I needed to see because it was their fault that, I mean... Um, it's their fault. You had to I, w I didn't choose to move, they did, right? So, um, and not to mention, this is like the, what is it, the um, vinegar in the wound, or what, what's that saying? The salt, the salt in, the wound. in the wound. Salt in the wound. So, we had like a kid's car, and then my dad had this old beat-up Astro van, and he let my sister drive the kid car to work, and I had to drive his beat-up, non-air-conditioned Astro van down to these appointments in the middle of the summertime. So, <laughs> needless to say, I wasn't very happy about going on these visits and having to talk to Dr. Wilson. Or um, drive that hoopty. Huh? Or drive that or hoopty. Or drive that hoopty. Um, but with some reframing, good happened. And I actually think not only what was there reframing with me, but there was some reframing it, with my parents too, because there was a lot of loss, right? And we just had to shift our perspective. But sometimes good can come from these difficulties because I left after a couple months of visits of graduating from Dr. Wilson's um, counseling sessions, <laughs> realizing that I wanted to work with kids and teenagers. And had I had not had that experience, I don't think I would be in the profession as an educator that I am today. I'm done. Thanks for that example, Devin. That was a... It was a good van at the time. Okay. <laughs> hey, I learned to drive on a Ford Crown Victoria that was like super long. 
Anyway, we digress. Sometimes good can come disguised as adversity or hardship. You know, but God can use those difficulties for good. We learn this in Romans 8.28. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It's important to trust God's goodness and to look for his goodness. God's goodness offers us security and encouragement. We can depend and trust on his unchanging nature. God's character does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can take that to the bank. Fallon was here. He'd give that a stomp clap. So the goodness of God is the core of our Christian faith. It is because of his desire for our good that he provided salvation through his son. Everything God's done is for our good. We can see proof of the goodness of God all around us and life-sustaining provisions he he supplies from crops that provide our food to the very air that we breathe. We can have goodness in us and even desire to do good, but true goodness comes through the one, capital O, who is perfectly good and wants good things for all people. Our goal should be to show the goodness of God to others every day. I spoke earlier of Kyle's seizures that started eight years ago. And, you know, the years, and it was like three or four years that we were really in the thick of it. But the years that we were in the thick of that situation were so, so hard for our family. But we really did see God's goodness during that time as well. There were people and family members who stepped up to help us with rides. And I'm not talking for you know, a couple of rides here and there. I'm talking four years, like two, three years of rides to and from work, helping us to get to and from church on Sundays that I had to work. But that was a blessing to those people too. So like the whole perspective, keep that in mind. Like, you know, you, you guys, there was goodness and thankfulness on your part. But when I was talking to mom yesterday, she missed, she, she misses the time she had with um, her son-in-law a couple days a week in the car. You know, that was a time of, of goodness, uh, you know, for, for those who could bless you as well. Mm. Wow. Another, you know, uh, goodness is that while many marriages are fractured during stressful health issues, our marriage was strengthened because we had to rely on God more than ever. And our marriage became stronger, which was and is a huge, huge blessing. We've also been able to use uh, Kyle's um, illness and seizure to witness to others. We were uh, at an appointment with his neurologist at the Hospital of University of Pennsylvania one time, and his neurologist is one of like the top epilepsy specialists there. And I had mentioned to her that, you know, we were so blessed that years ago we had gotten in very quickly. Like, I called and got an appointment within a week or two with her. And she's usually six to 12 months out to get an appointment. 
And Dr. Davis said, well, that must have been a scheduling error that year. And I said, I know that it was no scheduling error. God, that was God that, did, that put us on that. Um, because we needed a new doctor, and we were at our wit's end at that time. You know, I don't know Dr. Davis's beliefs, but we, you know, use that opportunity whenever we can to share and show God's goodness in our life to others. And here's the other thing. Kyle's healing didn't come like we thought it would. We prayed, and he prayed, and would go to um, healing prayer services here, actually, and be prayed over, and just pray for the seizures to stop. And then he would have one that night. And it was so hard. And you're just trying to look for the goodness. But, you know, the healing did eventually come. It came through finding the correct combination of medications and through the expertise of Dr. Davis. And, you know, after two week-long stays over two years at the hospital, healing came. We just had to move the frame to see what his healing would look like, to see the goodness. So what about you? Are you overwhelmed because of the busyness of your life? Think about how good God is and tell yourself, today I get to experience God's strength when I am weak. Are you feeling inadequate in your job? It's an opportunity to say thank you, God, for giving me everything I need to do what you have called me to do. The goodness of God means embracing that God is for you and not against you. That nothing can separate you from him. And Jesus is the perfect example of goodness. Let's read John 3, 16 uh, and 17 together. For this is how God, God loved, loved the world. world. He, he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And just think, because of his goodness, we get to experience it and share it with others. That's the good news. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you. Um, thank you for the opportunity for Devin and I to bring um, the words that you uh, gave mom, but with uh, the examples that you have given us in our life, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, Lord, that even in the difficult times, that God, you are good. That is who you are. You are good, Lord. And we thank you for your goodness, Lord. Lord, we pray that we would look for your goodness, even when it seems a little bit bleak. Lord, your ultimate goodness was demonstrated when you sent your son to ultimately die on a cross for us, Lord. And we thank you that we can remember that and celebrate that as we enter into um, a time of communion, Lord. So we thank you and praise you 
for who you are, Lord, and for your goodness and for the goodness of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.